Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. And good morning. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Fish, Joe Ranieri here with you on SportsGrid, SportsGrid.com, of course, YouTube, Pluto TV, Zumo, Stir, however you're watching this show, all of those names that I just read out to you, I got to be honest with you, a year ago, I didn't know they existed either. But it's a great way, except for YouTube, I knew YouTube was right. But this is a great way to watch television now and to watch all of these streaming options. I know a lot of you have a lot of downtime in your lives right now. And Certainly, it's not the position that anybody wants to be in, but here at SportsGrid, we're delivering fresh new content for you every single day. So make sure you like and subscribe to our shows. And by the way, like and subscribe to the guy that you're seeing right next to me. Oh, well, actually, it's this way. Sorry. Uh, Joe Ranieri, my co-host here today, the backbone of SportsGrid. He's hosting. He's producing. He's setting up. He has the lemonade stand outside yeah. in uh, in Miami. He's doing mm-hmm. it all. He's back with me for another edition today. What's going on, Joe? How are you? Exciting stuff, man. It's uh, Listen, I, I know in such an uncertain time right now for many people, I refuse to be a glass half, uh, half empty kind of guy. So I'm trying to. I yeah. keep looking forward. I keep getting excited. I know it, one thing's for sure. We got a draft coming up. There is going to be baseball. There is going to be fantasy. There's going to be so. betting. Uh, it's coming, guys. It is coming. Just hang in there. Be patient. It will all work out. Yeah, and the one thing I'll say, it's a great way to start the show. The one thing I'll say also about all of this, and and I know that those of you who were tuning in, uh, at least to us, you're looking for a distraction for two hours. So uh, for those of you who have watched our shows, whether you're watching it live or you're watching them on demand, you understand that's what we're here doing. We're not doing pandemic talk for two hours, but I get it. There's a lot of you out there, and it's very serious, and you want to pay attention to it, but that's not really the show that we are doing. And as we are sitting here on a new month, the month of April, as we begin a new month, that's one of my like personal commitments at this point, uh, sitting down with my wife, sitting down with my kids. It's like, you know what? This is the hand we're dealt. Yep. We're having to stay at home. You know, Two weeks ago, a week ago, days ago, we were still very uncertain as to where we're going to be. It's very clear at this point, this is where we're going to be for the next few weeks. So why not make the most of it? And that's exactly what we're going to try to do. And here on this show, what we're going to make the most of is the news and sports and a little bit of pop culture and fun Mm -hmm. and everything else that's going on. And so the one sport that always seems to deliver the news just when you think that they got nothing is always the NFL. And lo and behold, it came down late yesterday, Joe, that uh, all of the announcements came in as to what we're looking at with the new version of the 2020 NFL season. And Mm -hmm. of course, like everything else, it's TBD. Right. But at this point, Joe, we're going to have – I mean, we could get into it here. We've got, we got a lot more games to talk about. We're going to have extra playoff games. And then if I would have told you, let's say three months ago, that one or two things is going to happen. One, we're going to have a pandemic in this country that's going to shut us down for months. Or two, the NFL's playoff games are going to be on Nickelodeon. Which one would you would have thought? Uh... Which one would you have picked? I probably would have said uh, NFL games on Nickelodeon. I, yeah. I don't think I would have said pandemic. I, I just would not have seen it coming. I didn't see I didn't see the NFL games on Nickelodeon either, though. This is totally outside <laughs> of the box. So we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Joe, so so how do we feel about all of this? Okay, look, it, it's always good to have extra games. Yep. If you guys haven't heard at this point, the NFL is adding 
another playoff team in each of the conferences. So we're looking at having a wild card uh, on Saturday of three different games, a 1 o'clock, a 4 o'clock, and an 8 o'clock Eastern game, and the same thing on Sunday. And I think my biggest takeaway from all of this, Joe, and, and I want to get into the downside of it in a second, but the upside for it is that, boy, it is going to make some of these teams have to play out every single game to get that number one seed and be the only team with a bye going into the playoffs. I mean, come on, that's got to be huge. Yeah, and listen, guys, you don't have to. A couple of questions came to mind with it. Now, listen, it's always good when you have extra football and you have extra franchises, you know, two extra franchises now that normally wouldn't be there have a chance to make a run. And we've seen in years past, there is always that, there's always a team here or there that makes that run in the end. It's not, it might not have been great during the season, but you know what, came December, they really started to kick it into another gear injuries, uh, you know, start to uh, really diminish what a team can do uh, who might be a favorite. So you got to be in it to win it, right? That's what they always say. Now, having said that, I love that for a lot of franchises. You don't have to look uh, much further than last year where uh, you'd have the Pittsburgh Steelers playing a game in, uh, in the playoffs there. And think about that team, that quarterback, all the injuries they sustained, and yet they would have been in the playoffs last year. So Very just close. to give you an idea of what that would have been like, and Baltimore would have had to buy, okay, congratulations. Uh, but then when you start thinking about it, you go, do I really want a 500 team in the playoffs? Well, that's what's going to happen. That's Jared. what's no going to happen, yeah, that's, right? That's going to happen. Yeah, that's the downside. That's the downside. Yep, yep. I, but more football is, I'm all for more football. I do think the games week 14, 15, 16, that might have been kind of, you know, are we going to play our guys? Are sure. we not? I think it's a little bit different this year. I think it's going to be interesting to see, A, those two extra teams vying for that spot, and B, how do the teams at the top manage the end of the year? Yeah, and and look, the, the point is definitely well taken. Without a doubt, at some point, and some point soon in the next couple of years, a 500 team is going to get in, and then it's going to be a 500 team winning a playoff game, and then it's going to be a 500 team going to the AFC or NFC championship yep. game, and then, Joe... It's going to be getting to the Super Bowl right. because one of these years in the next 10, if the CBA isn't changed again, I think you're going to have that scenario play out. But it creates parity. It creates interest. And again, everybody wants more. It's all about money. Right. It's not about less. It's always about the finances of it. Of course, the players agreed to it. If you want to go back a few weeks ago, look, there were some players that came out and said that it shouldn't have been agreed upon. I guess some of the players didn't even open up their email or something like that to even respond to it. I mean, look, that's on them. Uh, for, for us, of course, it creates an interesting dynamic. The other thing that you said that I do want to touch on here, because I know that we both like to kick around sports wagering here mm-hmm. a little bit, is that I think what also will be eliminated from this, as you mentioned, is the competitiveness a lot of times in the Week 17s. Yep. You know those. The, Joe, the NFL's lines are tight. You know that. I mean, these don't move. You know, you got a quarterback out like Week 6, like Stafford goes out yep. like the night before. That's moving five, six points. I get yep. that. But in general, for 16 weeks, those lines, you know, they move about half a point, a point, a point and a half, a total may go up. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. they're they're sharp lines. Mm -hmm. But week 17, like, it is minute to minute trying to catch the very best line to figure out who's going to be playing for what and are Mm -hmm. they scoreboard watching. And I kind of like that. I like to always go into week 17. Like, I participate in the Las Vegas, um, in the Westgate Super Contest. Sure. And I always, um, and I've done it for years, and I always, like, we always do very well week 17 because we wait until, like, the very last minute on Saturday to turn that thing in. Yep. 
But uh, that intrigue of waiting until the end, I think that's out, Joe. I think, I think as you mentioned, I think that you're going to have 90% of the league, you know, playing going into the uh, last week of the season for something. And I think that's what the NFL is also trying to do is just keep it a lot more competitive going into the end. But yeah, the, those advantages of betting when the line comes out on Sunday night, waiting mm-hmm. a week before, yep. I think that's out. Motivation is going to be very interesting. Uh, but also, listen, urgency, which is really what this creates. And anytime you're creating urgency in sports, you create intrigue, excitement, people want to tune in. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we see it every year, right? Nobody watches baseball for 162 games. The World Series comes around. Oh, I got to watch the World Series. Whenever you give me those kinds of moments where this is, you know, here we go, guys. Either you win and you're in or you lose and you're out. And it's urgency, urgency, urgency. By adding another two teams and by adding eventually another game, which is coming down the pike too as well, um, all of a sudden from 16 to 17 games, the dynamic change, the rosters have to change, coaching changes, the way you draft changes. Um, Not crazy, but it's the subtle things where maybe a team carries three quarterbacks now uh, instead of two. You know, maybe what do you do with special teams? Less practice time. To me, from a betting perspective, I can't wait to hammer the unders early on in the season uh, because you're taking more practice time away, right, for, during the preseason. We've eliminated a preseason game. We've eliminated the ability to be able to get together and practice. So teams like Tom Brady in Tampa, we're, we're, I, I ain't betting over anywhere even remotely A lot of iPad games up yeah, until August. Under, yeah. like give me the under for a lot of these games. I do think it's going to take a month, maybe some teams a little bit longer to hit their stride. But then again, that's kind of why I like those extra teams because it might not everybody comes out of the gate, you know, firing. A team gets hot in November through December. Watch out. Anything can happen. I don't know why people don't like unders in general. Like everyone just – I understand that it's not fun to bet an under. My favorite. But, man, you got you just have to suck it up and but do it. But then again, I'm the guy sports. betting the don't pass line at the craps table, so you okay, probably well. don't want to – yeah, you probably don't want to ask me. I Fair don't. enough. Fair enough. I'm the Fair. guy that always like you. Oh, you're going that way. Yeah, I'm gonna go that you're way. The, you're the the zigzag guy. I'm you're the, the contrarian. I get it. Look, I, I like it too. I just I'm an under guy. All these sports, yeah. college basketball, baseball is the only one last year that you know everything went yeah. over. Um, a real quick, uh, Nickelodeon. Any thoughts on this? Uh, having a separate broadcast to bring in younger viewers. It's cool. It's a different idea. I, I mean, I'm not gonna move. I love from a. It's not meant to. You know, they're not meant to get an eight share, guys. They're they're doing it yeah. because. Very interesting uh, how they're, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of content outside of just that. Where it's got to be. Yeah, yeah it, there's got to be something tied into that. And, and listen, I'm okay. I mean, all of us who grew up with the, uh, you know, what was it? The, uh, what was that time machine? The big, uh, the, the base Saturday baseball program where the Philly Fanatic, we used to watch. The baseball Johnny bunch? Ba- they, yeah, yeah, you know what I yeah. mean? Remember that? Yeah. It was growing yeah, up. Yeah, of was, course. You know, that was... Tommy Lasorda was in there, right? What, that was all meant the chicken, you know what I mean? Yes, we had I the, uh, You well. know, we had the chicken out in San Diego to fill it up. And that was meant to garner that next wave in generation. So I think they're just doing that. They're kind of going back to the roots, and, and I don't mind it at all. Yeah, really amazing to think Nickelodeon... Maybe my son will get into the NFL this season. I don't know. He seems to be more of a baseball fan, though. I yeah. mean, I don't, I don't know. Convincing him to go over to... How much football has he been exposed time? to, though? Uh, I mean, he watches when I watch. Okay. He watched, like, um, the national championship game in college football, like, when the Gators are on. He's, like, a baseball savant at seven. He could tell you all the players, all the teams, all the rosters. 
But, I mean, that could change. I just – the thing, Joe, is I don't see myself taking him to football games right. for a yeah. while. It's just – if the environment is not really conducive to a young to a young kid, um, maybe a 10-year-old or 11-year-old, but, like, I don't know, man. What's he that grabbing when he goes out to play? Is he grabbing the glove and ball and yeah, the bat, or is he grabbing the football? What's he no, grabbing? always a glove. We threw, we threw today. We threw in the backyard today. Go. Yep, exactly. Easy enough. Make, going to make mom's life a lot easier. <laughs> Now listen, he could be a kicker, yeah. no problem. A punter uh, or a kick, uh, sign me up for that. Very nice, love sign that. Sign me up for that, yep. no problem with that. Yep. But beyond that, uh, you know, not so much. I think it's a it's a baseball life for us for sure. Uh, the other news in the NFL, and and of course, uh, you know, we'll talk more about uh, the playoff system and how things could change. We'll kind of run through it, and maybe even at some point we'll simulate how it would have looked for last year's too. Uh, but it looks like, Joe, now again, uh, you know, Sean Payton was the one doing the interview, the head right. coach of the New Orleans Saints. But it looks like that 2020 potentially could, at the very least, could be the final year for Drew Brees. Now, we should start off by saying that Drew Brees is a sure shot, 100% lock, Hall of Famer, quarterback. There's no doubt. He's getting there. Uh, $5 million donation uh, in this pandemic time, unbelievable to the state of Louisiana. It did come as a little bit of a surprise to me, given the nature of who Breeze is and everything that he's accomplished, that it's actually his head coach is the one that ends up bringing it up first before Drew Breeze does. Now, we also know that the coach and quarterback dynamic can be dicey at times. I'm not saying that this one is, but clearly the Belichick-Brady one, I mean, they're saying it ended the right way. We don't really know if it did for sure. We also have heard a lot of whispers about how much Sean Payton loves Taysom Hill, which, honestly, I don't get. I mean, he's a good player, but I don't know that he's going to lead any team at quarterback. But we know how much he likes him. Mm -hmm. Um, This this could be the end of an era in 2020. We talk about football players. I mean, we could see the last of Brady. We could see the last of Breeze. We could see the last of Rivers. I mean, who knows? We could see the last of Rodgers. We could have a lot of quarterbacks playing out their final season at the NFL this year. Yeah, guy, listen, I Drew Brees has been on that fence of retiring for a little while. He's got a great second career coming his way. I, I, listen, we heard uh, that ESPN was offering him, you know, seven figures there yeah. once he retires next year to be the Monday night uh, analyst. So uh, he does a lot of stuff, a lot of mov- motivational speaking he does around. I mean, he's he is... He is very set up for the after football, but I do think he's got that burning desire. I think he realizes that window for New Orleans right now is closing. Uh, I don't think he ever wants to go out having lost to Minnesota uh, again in order to be able to stop them because if they beat Minnesota, I think we're having a different conversation about the way the Super Bowl ended, but he's got the pieces coming back. He's got the coach, and I do think, listen, despite what, He's telling you, all right, Sean Payton, he's not an idiot. Um, The more you rely on Taysom Hill to be that next quarterback, the less you can utilize him as the Swiss Army knife that you plan on using him. You can't put your backup quarterback with a 41-year-old quarterback in harm's way often because if something happens to Breeze, what the hell are you going to do with Taysom Hill? So I I don't buy any of it. I do think there's something else up the sleeve maybe in the draft. Uh, the quarterback of the future is not on the New Orleans Saints right I now. I think he. I think Peyton thinks he is, though. I don't think so. I think he's letting everybody think he is, which tells me this time of year it's a lot of misdirection. Don't be surprised if the Saints take a quarterback in the draft. Yeah, I mean, you could be right.
Mm-hmm. I watch a lot of college football. Yep. I, I got to tell you, there are going to be some uh, absolutely phenomenal quarterbacks that are going to be taken yep. after the first and second exactly. round that I exactly. think are going to have a good chance to succeed and potentially. And don't forget, and uh, I'll throw it out there. I'll just say the name. Jameis Winston. Just saying the name. <laughs> Just saying it out there. I'm telling you That's right now. That's as far as we can go with that. A year, listen, he's not going to get a starting gig anywhere, but a year, re- no. you know, you get him as your backup quarterback here. He, lo- he loves a guy that can throw the ball down the field. Sean Payton's a quarterback wish. I'm just saying, keep an eye. You can get him for a song and a dance. What about Josh Rosen? Also, keep an eye on, uh, <laughs> depending on what the, uh, the Dolphins want to do. i Yeah, I'm just saying there is, it ain't Taysom Hill. I don't think any... He's not an idiot, and uh, Taysom Hill is a great football player, not a franchise quarterback, and Sean Payton knows that. Yeah, well, I mean, look, they're in love with that guy. We see it over and over again in the playoffs, and, um, you know, we'll see which way the Saints decide to go with it, but uh, no doubt. I was surprised to see that. I mean, I'm not surprised to see that Drew Brees is going to retire. I was surprised to see his coach come out and say that there was a chance of that happening. My guess is in the next two days, we'll hear the coach come out and say, well, I'm not really sure. I didn't mean to say it like that. And, you know, a little bit uh, back walking there on that. You know, it's probably coming. I place defense quarterback slot. Like, so what, all of a sudden now you're just going to put him on the bench in in case, like, come on, stop it. Use this guy every chance you get. Yeah, we got we got so much to uh, cover here on the show uh, and a little time to do it, believe it or not. So this is one of those days where we're stacked even though that the world has stopped its sports world, we do not stop here on Sports Grid. So we'll take a quick time out here on the show. Can't wait when to we see your birthdays ba- coming up. I just, oh, I'm the birthdays. Throw it out there. Wait, every wait. day you're waiting. Joe can't wait for the sports birthdays. This is like his favorite part of the show. <laughs> sports <laughs> birthdays, this day in sports, things yep. that you didn't know happened years and years ago. We're going to deliver them to you next right here on Fantasy Sports Today on Sports Grid. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Joe Ranieri. Today is April 1st, 2020. We're starting a new month of Sports Grid programming here on the show. Make sure you like and subscribe to the show. If you're watching us back on YouTube or YouTube.com, of course, on Twitter, at Sports Grid, that's a great way to find all of the shows and all of the programming here as we continue on and move toward a very uncertain month in sports for sure. But what is certain is the past. They cannot take the past away from us. And so as we always do in our second segment of every show, so you can catch this every day around 11, 20, 11, 17, Mm -hmm. something like that on the East. And of course, earlier on the West or wherever you are is, uh, is the day in sports. And we're going to go back and take a look at this day in sports. And of course, today is April the 1st, uh, April fool's day. 
And Joe and I have already decided we're not making any April Fool's jokes. That's correct. We're staying away from that in 2020. We'll be back strong in 2021, but we're leaving April Fool's out. So, although you had me hanging with Nickelodeon, I thought for I thought you were going to head me with Nickelodeon and the NFL, but no, that turned out to be real. So I'm good. <laughs> that just shows you how hard Joe Ranieri is working 24 hours a day. That he didn't hear that one happen yet. Wait till we get to the Tiger King. Yes, that. exactly. All right. Um, Okay, so here's what everyone remembers these, I, I think, uh, in, in some way, uh, maybe some more than others. But let's start off and go through these one by one, Joe. Um, okay, so the first one uh, was Bart Giamatti. Now, I, I know that everyone knows Bart Giamatti is a former commissioner of baseball, but what you may have not have known is that back on April the 1st, 1989, Giamatti replaced Peter Ubroff as baseball's commissioner. And before we move forward to the next one, Joe, uh, look, we could do hours and hours on Pete Rose, yep. uh, certainly, but the names Bart Giamatti and Pete Rose are going to go hand in hand in history because for those people who don't know, Bart Giamatti was the one inevitably that uh, basically banned Pete Rose for life from baseball and Bud Selig, the commissioner after Bart Giamatti, when B Giamatti passed away, which was only a few months later after he was named commissioner, yep. said that he was not going to undo what Bart Giamatti did. And to this point, Rob Manfred has not undid what Bud Selig did or what Bart Giamatti did. So I, before we move on to our uh, second this day in history, I would ask you this. Will we ever see a day, Joe, that Pete Rose gets either A, into the National Baseball Hall of Fame, or B, back in baseball, or let's use a C, all of the above, or D, none of the above? I don't know, and, and I've had a I've had a hard time with this for a long, long time. And and my issue with all of this centers around the Hall of Fame. Uh, should Pete Rose be allowed back in baseball? No. I mean, should he be banned from ballparks and being a part of any celebration? No. I mean, the guy paid his dues, did his time. He lied. He we know all of that. But yeah, the bottom line is, in this day and age. If you're not, what's the point of a Hall of Fame if you're not telling the story of baseball? That's your job as a Hall of Fame. You can't possibly be realistic in not having Pete Rose in a Hall of Fame and telling the whole story and letting people see it for themselves. I don't think one has anything to do with the other. I hope maybe uh, after we come out of this, level heads will realize that, yeah, all right, it's, you know, let, let's, let's stop with the holding the grudge for the 40 years here. Um, and that's all this is really at this point because he's paid his dues. There isn't anybody on planet that knows baseball or has been around long enough to follow it uh, or study it that realizes Pete Rose wasn't banned at one point. He can be banned. Put him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And, and, and look, there's some people who would have that uh, opposite take of yours, Joe, mm -hmm. that would say he's already in the Hall of Fame because all his stuff is there. Right. And his information is there. Um, it, it, it stinks to agree on a topic like this because it's so much fun and we could do it for hours, yep. but unfortunately I do. Um, I, I think Pete Rose um, may not deserve a Hall of Fame ceremony. Right. And he, and he may, and certainly I know that Pete really wants to be back in the game itself. That's never going to happen and it shouldn't, the but he, he deserves a plaque. Anybody who's ever met him knows it. He's been his worst enemy his entire of life. Course. So. That's right. But he deserves that plaque in the Hall exactly. of Fame. Just get it over with. And by the way, I got something else for you too. If there ever came a time, and we're all about money in this world, of course, and the Baseball Hall of Fame is too, guess what, Joe? If there was ever a situation, and there's going to be ones coming up here, look, we've had some big names go into the Hall of Fame. Mariano Rivera, Derek Jeter, uh, Ken Griffey Jr. in the last five years. Big names, right? Randy Johnson. 
we're coming up on a time here where it's going to get a little lean. If the Baseball Hall of Fame really wanted to pack them in, guess who you put in? Yep. Guess how many people would show up for a Pete Rose Hall of Fame ceremony? It I'll would give be... you this. How many people would pay good money to see Pete Rose, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens induction? Oh, can you imagine that? <laughs> wow. Well, next year it's going to be, I mean, listen, they're running out of time with Clemens yep. and Bonds, so it's yep. probably next year. All right. Uh, okay, enough about that. Let's move on to, uh, look, wrestling, I, I used to be into wrestling a long time ago. I know there's people who still watch it and who still love it. I was a huge WWF fan, huge. Oh, like, absolutely. as a kid, I went to the Night Center, Joe. I watched all the, I watched all the, and the Miami, old Miami arena. Um, but by the time 95, 96 came around, Joe, you know, it was like, okay, like, I've graduated from that. So right. I stopped watching. I still am aware of it, and I know who's in it, but... Uh, in 1990, April 1st, 1990, was the first real sense that Hulk Hogan was not invincible as he lost to the Ultimate Warrior. And if you remember after that, if I'm not mistaken, he left to go to the WCW, Correct. Uh, eventually went back to the WWF, and then eventually was kicked out again because of the racist comments that he made. It's been mm -hmm. back and forth with Hulk Hogan his entire life with both of those wrestling entities. Uh, we don't need to spend too much time on this one, but but uh, uh, that the, was an end of an era because the '80s was really. I agree. That yeah, was the, that was the Jimmy Superfly. And listen, people Snuka. love it now, though. Exactly. Look, Sergeant now. Slaughter. I mean, you can but go they down pack the them list. in now. How exactly. do they? How, how do people still into this? I don't get it, but um, they love it, and they I understand it. Put it on it. Nickelodeon. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the answer for everything. Is put it on Nickelodeon. Sports Grid's going to be on Nickelodeon, right? <laughs> Joe, I'm not surprised you're not on Nickelodeon. <laughs> good point it's a very good point but that was a great era though that 80s and it that was. was really the changing of the guard you're right and, and look when hogan went to the the wcw and he was the heel and yep. he was with nash and bret hart and those bad guys i mean that was fun too and i look i'm very well aware of all of the eras of wrestling mm -hmm. uh but but to me that date signifies maybe one of the first times that there was a chance yep. that hulk hogan could actually leave the wwf which was really unthinkable back That's then right. um okay uh the uh, the saddest opening day of all time. I remember you know, this like out, it was outside of the outside of opening day 2020. <laughs> the saddest opening <laughs> yeah. day of all Good time. Point. Good save. Was 1996. We talked about this the other day. Uh, John McSherry, the umpire, uh, had a heart attack on the field. Joe on the field in Cincinnati in 1996. And Marge Schott was the owner. She wanted to play the game. Jim Bowden was the GM. He was yelled and screamed. I know Jim very well, of course, hosting with many years. And he said, we cannot play this game. This would be terrible. We cannot do it. Yep. Yep. Inevitably, they stopped the game. Rest in peace, John McSherry. A uh, very hot day in Cincinnati. Passed away uh, on the field. And by there. the way, a really good umpire in his career, too. One of the, one of the more respected guys, too, uh, you know, to wear and sit behind plate. Uh, the plate there just I remember like it was yesterday it was just terrible the images were terrible yeah uh, and then finally in the year 2000 this is one that that unless you're a, a stout boxing fan you probably don't know now I was a boxing fan so I'm very well aware but you talk about a boring fighter oh. here he is Chris Byrne yeah in 2000 all he would do is basically holds his hands up and look at you yeah. uh, and he beat somehow he beat Vitaly Klitschko who, who had a shoulder injury and of mm -hmm. course Klitschko retired uh, of Itali did. Now, Vladimir continued the Klitschko legacy and, of course, fought for another decade. Right. But that was really, you know, we talk about the, the beginning of a change in wrestling. Joe, this was the beginning of the change in heavyweights, right? Like, we went through, a, like, almost two decades of no good heavyweight fights yeah. where it was essentially the Klitschko brothers and nothing. And Chris Bird and J remember John Ruiz? Like, remember? there was super boring fighters. Yep. And 
Um, that was the year 2000 there. Yep. Crazy when you think about that. Isn't it nuts, though? But that was, again, the beginning of that era where, you know, just like wrestling, it was kind of the changing of the guard from that particular point on. Uh, it was just it, the heavyweight division was gone. Yeah. Like, it was Sad. just gone. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, look, everyone, we went through Tyson. Um, but let's not forget, I mean, it was still, boxing was still very exciting without him and with Lennox Lewis and Evander Holyfield. Like, I mean, I mean, I mean, mean, Foreman, of course, was lagging around at the end, but, but there were some, and Lennox Lewis had a great legacy fought for a long time, but once he was done, that was it. And, and once he lost to Klitschko and look, that takes nothing away from the Klitschko brothers either. They had great careers, but. There just wasn't the sense of great fights. Now we're starting to see some good fights with a Wilder and Fury, yeah. and, and you know maybe the heavyweights are coming back a little bit. But boxing I is hope only boxing as- comes back because there yeah, was nothing like the heavyweight thing. But when you had Riddick, I mean, when you think about Riddick Bow and Mike, yeah. Dyke, you know these were guys. They were all out wars. We watched, and then the Klitschko brothers kind of came in and. They just, they one-punched everybody. I was like, oh, I can't watch this anymore. It's awful. It wasn't great. Yeah. In fact, Klitschko's live in South Florida. Yeah. Very close to me. And uh, Hallandale Beach, very close to me. Yep. Um, okay. So the, that that's the day in sports history from April 1st. But I know you're waiting for this. What about, what about the birthdays? Right, what on, about what the sports got? birthdays from uh, from April? Okay. Well, Jumbo Ooh. Elliott, yes. the former offensive lineman who's known for a stout career. I think probably known for that catch that he made on the Jets when Vinny Testaverde threw that ball to him in the back of the end zone and he caught it in that yep. miracle uh, against Miami game in yep. the Dolphins and Jets many years ago. Jumbo Elliott, uh, 1965 he was born. April the 1st, ring was with the Giants, though, but that's right. Yep. That is true. Yep. Absolutely, at 86. Yep. Uh, Mark Jackson, former NBA player, mm. NBA coach, broadcaster, uh, Knicks player, Clippers player. Everybody knows Mark Jackson, of yeah. course, born uh, on this day, April the 1st, 1965. Uh, Sean Taylor, rest in peace. This is the one that really sticks out, of course, oh, yeah. probably more than any of the others. Uh, Sean Taylor, uh, you know, passed away many years ago now at this point, mm. unfortunately, at his home. And uh, everyone remembers that. Former great Hurricane, great NFL player as well with the Washington Redskins in 1983. Yep. And then I tried to find a good baseball player out of this one here. and uh, That's what really you came up with, huh, David Dahl? That's the best. <laughs> <laughs> David Dahl. David Dahl. I mean, look, David Dahl's a good player. And yeah, fine. But, I mean, I'm struggling for baseball players. Hopefully April 2nd gives us a better player. But I think on this list of all of the players that uh, were celebrating their birthdays today, uh, Joe, I definitely go back, and I'm sure you do too, of those unbelievable Miami Hurricanes teams. Oh. And to think that what Sean Taylor could have still accomplished in the NFL. Oh, yeah. Clearly, he would not be playing today. His career would have been over at this point. Right. But he was on his way, no doubt, to at least a chance of making the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you look back and you go through all the greatest players in the history of college football at his position of defensive back, I think that he was up there. I I mean, look, Hurricanes may may have had Ed Reed, and and Ed Reed's a Hall of Famer, and they they won a lot of championships, and they played in a lot of championship games too. But people seem to forget just how good Sean Taylor was, both with Miami and with Washington. Big time in the NFL, too. I mean, you know, those that were, were Hurricane fans, certainly down in the South Florida area, we know. I mean, the Hurricanes were, they went through that kind of revival period with him where they were really, really, really good. And he was ridiculously good. And then he went to Washington and was, as he would have been one of the all-time grades. We associate Dion, this, it would have been Dion, Sean Taylor, when we're talking about some of the greatest DBs to ever play. Um, he was 
lockdown like we've never seen it. It's just total shame. And over stupid stupidity, just absolute stupidity, too. That's the yeah. worst part about it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's always hard when you think about that and you go back and and look at so many players who have left us uh, mm-hmm. for different reasons. But Taylor was the one, I think, at the time. I think, did uh, he play with Gore? Because I, I, I'm thinking. Yeah, he played with all those guys. Yeah, yeah. he played with Frank Gore. Yeah, Willis McGahee. That's yeah. it, yeah, yeah, crazy. Andre Johnson, um, it was the end of Reggie Wayne's career, Uh, Ken Ken Dorsey. I mean, those, I mean, Joe, I went to, um, okay, so the Hurricanes played in two championships. I was working, I was doing a show on Fox Sports Florida at the time. I went to the Rose Bowl, and and, and look, I'm a Gator, so I root for the Gators, Uh, but I did travel with the team. I went on the road and saw Miami beat... um, Nebraska, I think it was, in the college football championship game. I think Eric Crouch was the quarterback, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. Yeah, that was uh, Larry Coker, right? Was that the, was that the Coker that, years? Yeah, Larry Coker won, and then they came back, if you remember, the very next year, and yeah. they played in the Fiesta Bowl. That's the, the one game Ohio everybody State. talks about. Yeah, I remember off, that. off the penalty in the back of the end zone. Lost they had a the lot game of money won. that night. <laughs> uh, Maurice Claret was, uh, yep. was on Ohio State, yep. and, and I'll never forget it because my cameraman uh, – I I, st- I I don't know. I have to find the footage. It's somewhere. Maybe we could use it. My, it's my cameraman running on them because, you know, the no. game ends. So yeah. he's running on the field at the end of the game with everybody else because we think the game is over. It's over. <laughs> and then you hear the players going, no, like Miami, but no, whoa, whoa, whoa. And, like, my cameraman is just like, you could see him, like, shifting the camera because oh. he doesn't know what's going on. As it turns out, uh, Porter, Terry yep. Porter was the referee's name, I think. It was awful. T- throws oh. a flag, last play of the game, seconds after... Yep. Uh, the play was, uh, I think Chris Gamble was it the wide receiver. It wasn't even close. I mean, it really was. It was such a screw job. And, and Ohio yeah. State wins. And Ohio State wins that championship money, uh, game. A lot of money overtime. lost there. A lot of money. Yeah. Thanks. It was, uh, you know. A, Thanks, well, Pressman. Isn't it funny how we always remember the games we lose? We never. No, you ever remember tell you the, the last big one wins? I won. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell <laughs> you Nobody can tell you the lose. last one they won, right? <laughs> How's your horse <laughs> racing going? Exactly. I'll tell you everyone I lost, though. That I'll remember. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for reminding me of that one. That's all right. This day in Joe Ranieri's sports betting history. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Bring more. out all the losses. That's My what we goodness. do here. All right. Uh, so I, as we talked about yesterday on the show, uh, I'm conducting these Monday night retro yeah. fantasy baseball leagues. And this past Monday night, we had a draft of uh, 1980 through 1989's players. We did it on RT Sports, and the games are going to be simulated on out-of-the-park sports. Now, uh, we had 14 teams in the league, right. and coming up after the break, as I promised, once the draft is completed, we we're going to run through my team from 1980 to 1989. We're going to go take a step back in time. Mm-hmm. You know, Joe wanted to do that, so we're going to do it. We're going to take our step back in time. We got the DeLorean. We got Doc Brown. We're going back to 1985. We're going to take a look at all the best players that I ended up taking. Joe will give me a grade on my fantasy baseball Absolutely. team from the 80s, and then we'll see how we simulate this thing out. So that's what's coming up next right here on SportsGrid. Craig Mitchell with Joe Ranieri right here on SportsGrid.com, YouTube, Pluto, Stir, and, of course, Zumo TV, and soon to be in a lot more television locations as well, so you'll have to stay tuned to that. We'll be right back after this. Don't go away. Dailyroto.com. 
Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Joe Ranieri with you here on the show. Fantasy Sports Today. Uh, unfortunately, not a lot of fantasy to talk about, and specifically not a lot of fantasy baseball to talk mm -hmm. about. So, uh, last couple of weeks when I realized that the baseball season was not going to start on time, may not even happen anytime soon, I thought, well, this may be a good time to dig back deep into the greatest players in the history of fantasy. But mm -hmm. the question is, is that how do you have a fantasy draft and how do you go back in time and actually play those out? So did a little research, Joe, and uh, ended up calling a company called Out of the Park Sports. Really good company that they um, simulate games. And you can play simulations of any season, really? any league, any time. Yeah, every single year. In fact, mm. uh, they, they simulated the playoffs the last few years for Major League Baseball. Wow. Um, and the owner, uh, Rich, is a big fan of Micro League Baseball, which is a game that I used to play many years ago on okay. the Commodore 64. We had a good wow. conversation. And um, we decided to do four different fantasy leagues and okay. four different fantasy drafts with a little bit of a kicker. So uh, four different eras of drafts from 1980 to 1989 would be one league. Okay. 1990 to 1999 would be the second league. Okay. Uh, 2000 through 2009 would be the third. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth would be 2010 through 2019, which is basically the last 10 years of baseball. So uh, created a website, fantasyleaguelegends.com. Mm -hmm. Basically, uh, a website just put up for free so people could go and register to participate in the league, and we filled up all of the leagues. Uh, the question that people had was, okay, so how are we actually going to do this? Well, Out of the Park Sports basically provided the top 1,000 baseball seasons from each era, the okay. 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, and the last 10 years. They took out all the duplicates in terms of players. Okay. So only one season of Mike Trout, one season of Clayton Kershaw, one season of Reggie Jackson, etc. Uh, and then we sent all of that data over to real-time sports. Okay. And on Monday night and for the next few Monday nights, real-time sports actually hosted 14 teams and 16 teams and participants to play out the draft. Wow. Uh, after the draft is over, we take all of the results, send over the teams to uh, out-of-the-park baseball. Uh, out-of-the-park baseball is essentially giving us carte blanche to manage those teams. And each day we simulate the results and in the end, we're going to have four league champions, and we'll see what was the best era of baseball going fantasy head-to-head. -head. Um, you know, the steroid era, is right. it the 80s, the 90s? And you'll see from some of the results that we're going to get into uh, just how different these eras were. But, Joe, the one takeaway that I, that I would tell you from the 80s, uh, to, a couple of things. Well, three, you know, a lot of things, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, the first is, is that, yes, you had a ton of pitchers who were completing games okay. and throwing 200 and two, two, 250, 260 innings. But there were only a few that struck out 200 guys. Really? You had pitchers throwing 250 innings, yeah. elite guys, and only striking out 130, mm -hmm. 140. Yep. It just was not a big part of the game. It was nope. get deep into the game, throw 88 miles an hour, get us a bunch of ground balls, and, and, and we'll get out of the game. And so you'll see that from the pitching staff that, that I ended up drafting. That's the first part. Right. Um, the second part of it is that 
so many players were stealing bases back then. Oh, yes. 60, 70 steals from uh, so many guys in the 80s. Yep. Um, guys with 100 steals, 90, 80, 60, 50. Now you're lucky to get one player in baseball stealing 50 bases. Right, exactly. No one's stealing 60 or 70. And, of course, you know, Canseco was a 40-40 guy. Uh, Ronald Acuna this past year for the Braves right. was was close to a 40-40 guy. But we just generally aren't Don't seeing see any stolen bases. Teams are just you know hitting so many home runs. And that brings up the third point, Joe, and the one that you can certainly speak to from a wagering perspective, too. Uh, in the 80s, 30 home runs was like, oh, oh, you're a Hall of Famer God, to hit 30 home yes. runs. <laughs> it's so true. But I bet you also had, yeah, probably had a lot of 300 hitters, too. I'm thinking that was probably a big part of it as well, that you had to have a bunch of 300 hitters, too, somewhere along the line there. A lot of doubles, guys. I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, were the doubles up there, too, as well? Yeah, I mean, just extra base hits all over the park. All over the you know, place, that's, right? that's what yeah. it was. Yeah, extra base hits. But, yeah, home runs was just uh, huge back then. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry. Home runs was just not huge not back huge. then. Excuse yeah, me. Right. You hit 30 home runs in a, ga- in, in a season, you were a monster. We got halfway through this draft, and the most home runs from anyone was like 16. Just crazy. It yeah, shortstop, second crazy. base. Good luck yep. finding anybody that's going to hit. I mean, Cal Ripken was like a monster hitting 24 yep. home runs. Yep. in the 80s. So um, let's take a look, Joe. Let's take okay. a look at the team that I ended up uh, drafting. And this is going to be my, uh, my my starting lineup here. So so leading off, uh, and you see that's an old Tim Raines baseball card. In fact, I from, love that, man. From, yep. Awesome. It's a 1984 Topps card right yep. there. I think I um, have that. That's awesome. Uh, Tim Raines, um, I ended up taking him in like the third, fourth round. Tim Raines, uh, his 85 season is the one that I ended up drafting. So he'll be my leadoff hitter. Uh, Tony Gwynn was my third pick overall. He hit 370 yes. in 1987, so he'll bat second. Um, I, I couldn't pass on Donnie Baseball. How, man. how do you do <laughs> Exactly. I, I took Donnie Baseball. He'll be my three-hole hitter, batting yep. 350, hitting 30 home runs. Uh, Mike Schmidt um, was oh. one of the few guys that could hit 40 home runs yep. in the 80s. There weren't a lot of them, yep. and he was one of them. He, he's my cleanup uh, hitter at third base his 1980 season, the season – that the Phillies won the World Series, yep. ironically, and, uh, at the cleanup hitter there. Uh, then, yeah, I mean, look, this is where we were at, Joe, in terms of power. Danny Tartable, you may laugh, yep. but there there was no 30 home run hitters left. Like, nope. he, he was the best guy that I could find in the outfield with some pop. Uh, Tartable's best season came with the Royals, uh, you know, went on to play for the Yankees. Yankees Everybody knows yeah. that story, too. Yep. Uh, but certainly defense could be an issue there for me there. But offensively, Danny Tartable, 25 homers, 100 RBIs. Sweet Lou Whitaker at second base. Oh, yeah. 1983 season, 320 hitter, 17 homers, 70 RBIs. That was wow. a ton for a middle infielder. Yeah. Now that's every middle infielder. In baseball. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Tampa Bay Rays are splitting two guys at second base, and each of them are hitting 17 homers. Exactly. Right? Uh, Kevin McReynolds. I got some other choices yeah. at designated hitter. I got Greg Walker. I have um, uh, Pete Rose I could use uh, off the bench. He wow. didn't hit any home runs, but he yep. bat 320. At the, and then remember, the 80s, Pete Rose was the end of his career. So, right. um, But I could put him there. Kevin McReynolds hit 20 home runs, drove in 70 for the Padres in 84. Yep. Uh, Terry Steinbach will be my catcher. He was a 16 home run guy in 1987. And then uh, Tony Fernandez. We are factoring defense somewhat into this. Tony right. Fernandez, who passed away a couple of months ago. Yeah. Um, fantastic player. Hit 320 that year with the Toronto Blue Jays. He's in the Blue Jays Hall of Fame. 
uh, an 87 player. 87 was a big offensive season in baseball. So, so you had uh, an opportunity to look at this and, and like in Tim Raines' career, you had an opportunity to pick one of those uh, years there in the 80s from 80 uh, to well, 89? Yeah, well, what happened was um, is that we decided that it would be too confusing to have several Tim Raines and several right, Mark McGuire. So uh, what we did was out of the park baseball basically did a offensive, defensive, and war uh, algorithm Love that. and picked the best season based on that. Now it will cause you know uh, you know a little bit of a problem somewhat because in fantasy we're just looking at offense and in real baseball we're looking at defense too totally and defense does yeah. factor into war. Mm-hmm. So um, you know some of the players. <laughs> Yeah, so some of the players that that we ended up taking in this draft, and and there were over 500, uh, we may get into that season, and when we when we simulate it, right. some teams may not be as good because they didn't factor defense in. Wow. Uh, honestly, I didn't until we got to the point where I was looking at it, and I'm like, okay, I, I I would probably based on the amount of lack of hitting at the shortstop position in the 80s, yep. and so um, you know I went with Tony Gwynn. You remember, of course, in the 90s, it was Nomar Garcia Parra and Miguel Tejada. Right. And Derek Jeter was Robin Yalta there. That was yeah, all up. all of the guys in the '80s were there. Um, so uh, how do you grade my one through nine? Joe? I let's, love let's... it. I don't know what everyone else's lineups look like, but I got to tell you, your top, yeah, you, you're going to be putting some home runs uh, away there with the top so. of that board, and you've got a nice mix with Lou Whitaker, Tim Raines, a nice mix of even with Tony Fernandez. You got some steals uh, mixed in there, so. Uh, yeah, by one and two, you're not gonna. No one's gonna steal more bases than me. And look, Vince Coleman stole 100 bases, and he was right. a top 10 pick. Yep. But but outside of that, I mean, Tony Gwynn stole 50 bases that season that he hit 370. That's People crazy. forget at the beginning of his yep. career how fast Tony Gwynn was. He got much bigger yep. at the end of his career and stopped stealing and stopped, uh, if I'm not mistaken, like completely. Uh, but yeah, Tim Raines, uh, Gwynn, Mattingly, and and really Schmidt. Those are my uh, first four. So. Yep. Um, all right, so that's my awesome. starting lineup there. And, and look, um, I have a couple of bench players that I could use. What I tried to do offensively, mm-hmm. uh, Joe, was build the team um, outside of that with a lot of guys who could come off the bench and also be used in a pinch hitting role. Yes. So uh, Pete Rose, I believe of 1980 or 81, he didn't hit any home runs, but he hit 320. Um, this is going back far in history, probably. I don't know if you remember the name, but Pat Tabler was a guy that used to be a, a pinch hitter for the Indians. Yep, absolutely. Um, hit some, had some very big hits there. Greg Walker with the White Sox hit 25 home runs mm-hmm. one season. I went with him as well. Um, so, look, it's it's just about kind of yep. getting as many sluggers as you can here. And now as we take a look at the pitching, you can, you can see that, um, see you know, the certainly starting rotation the, the, numbers, the yeah. numbers won't look as good. As as uh, as some other teams in the last twenty years, but I gotta tell you, you are not outside. Look, Doc Gooden's season. Doc Gooden was the second pick overall. His nineteen eighty five season, where he won the Cy Young, oh, and he yes. was the MVP. Okay, yep. and, and look, don't get me wrong. Mike Scott, he struck out three hundred batters. He yep. was a top ten pick as well. But once you go beyond that, the idea of having multiple two hundred strikeout guys was almost impossible, impossible. and so. <laughs> All three of the top three pitchers that you see here on the board, Jack Morris, Rick Sutcliffe, Bob Welch, these dudes all won 20 games, yep. but their ERAs were in the threes and they weren't striking out anybody. That's correct. It's a, yeah, and you know why? You know, they say that uh, wins don't mean anything now, Joe, and oh, you can't quantify wins in baseball. And you know, they're right. And the reason why is because that's the game that we have now. They that's take correct. you out after the fifth inning. Not these guys. You think Jack Morris was coming out after the fifth? <laughs> 
You think Rick Sutcliffe, this guy would have thrown 10 innings in a game. Exactly. So, exactly. So, so it's going to be really interesting when we actually play these games out because, uh, I mean, I got a bunch of 20-game winners here, mm-hmm. but I don't know how that's going to translate if that really means anything when we get into you know yeah. these simulation games. But, uh, you know, Morris of 86 with the Tigers – Sutcliffe of 87 with the Cubs, Welch mm-hmm. 87 with the Dodgers. Dodgers yeah. uh, Floyd Bannister was one of those uh, 200 strikeout yeah, guys. I was Ban- say he struck out a ton. Uh, yeah, that he year. didn't. He didn't have a long career, uh, but he pitched with the, uh, the, or I would say an elite career. But he had his best year in '82 with Seattle. He pitched with the White Sox also. Yep. Uh, and then Greg Maddox, uh, you know, struck out a lot more guys in the '90s when he ended up pitching with the Braves. Yep. But when he was with uh, the Cubs in the 80s, this remember, this was only like his second or third year in the big leagues. That's but um, I have some other options if I wanted to mix and match in terms of the starting rotation. But we chose to not uh, play this without injuries. So okay. uh, how would you grade the starting rotation? I, lo- I mean, I love it. That's the starting rotation, especially at the top between Sutcliffe and Morris. Um, you know, they, even today, we'd put those two guys up with uh, just about anybody uh, that they would have been able to prove in that era. I'd have had no problem going into any game with Jack Morris, Rick Suffler, even Bob Welch on the uh, on the top of the rotation. I'd have been just fine with that. Yeah, I got uh, Jim Palmer also. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, seventies yeah. and you know, like a you know, back end. But my word, you got how many strikeouts did he have? What year were we able to get him? None, none of them. None of them struck out more than like 140, 150 wow. guys. You know, Tommy John threw 270 innings with the Yankees and struck out 80 batters. I I can't. <laughs> Where did those days go? Exactly. Um, all right, everything so was on so, the ground. <laughs> so, 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 look, I don't know how much I'll need a bullpen. Right. But here is the bullpen. All right, um, let's check it out. Let, let's take a look at the bullpen here. Um, oh, wow. Willie Hernandez in 1984, Joe, people don't realize this, Cy Young yep. and MVP yep. in 1984 with the Detroit Tigers. Tigers won the World Series in 1984, mm-hmm. uh, and, and Willie Hernandez was really the man behind it. This guy threw like 80 innings, 100 strikeouts. He'll be my closer, and, and in the game setting, you have to set a closer. Yep. So I'll set him up to pitch as often as possible. Uh, Steve Howe, wow. man. Steve Howe had all kinds of drug issues, and he yes. was suspended a billion times. But his stats were ridiculous with the New York Yankees. Yes, they were. And any t- and he was suspended, I think, even in this season of 1983. Mm-hmm. But his ERA was like 1.2. Yep, he was and shut was, down. Yep. Yeah, so um, I'll use him as a middle reliever. Tim Burke from the uh, Expos in 87 had a right. really strong year and threw 70 innings. And then Brian Harvey, before he ended up with the Marlins in, uh, in the early 90s, 90s was yep. lockdown closer with the Angels there. So... Um, I mean, I don't think I'm going to be using these guys too much because in the 80s, they really didn't use relievers all that much, but that's right. how I closed out my uh, my pitching, and that is Joe right there. That's, yeah. that, that's the, they look, I have, to I have 10 more ends. guys off the bench that I probably won't use, but these are the that's the, the meat and potatoes of the team that I yeah. got to right I, Well, I got to tell you, I can't wait to see some of the lineups that you get, the teams uh, that you got to go up against that are going to be yeah. simulated too. going to be interesting to see side-by-side your lineup versus their lineup and see how that goes. Uh, I can't wait to see how it's interesting when the simulation comes. I can't wait to see uh, some runs scored here, how many hits and and how it goes. Because I, one reliever, right? You got to pick a starter, and you know your lineup is your lineup, and that's it. There's no injuries. There's no trade. No so yeah, so it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, Listen, we'll we'll this. follow it here on Fantasy Sports today when the season kicks off in a week or two. Um, right. You know, just uh, look. We don't have games to talk about. 
And honestly, as much as I love video games and I totally respect everybody playing MLB The Show, yep. like how much MLB The Show can I watch on TV and on Twitter? Like I, I wanted to try something new. So yep. this I is love it. This. And where do and, they go? Can they go on uh, on the internet and the uh, site? Um, well, right now they could just go on my Twitter at Craig Mish or FantasyLeagueLegends.com and check out the leagues. We have Perfect. them all posted there. So that's the way you could check those out. And we'll cover them here for you on SportsGrid. The next draft will be on Monday night. It'll be 1990 through 1999. We'll see. Who was your number one pick? The number one pick I had was, uh, was, was Mike Schmidt, I think. Mike Schmidt. Schmidt. You went Schmidt. Yeah. Went with the home runs. Yep. 48 home runs. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. I think I went Schmidt, Mattingly, Gwynn. I think those one, were the, two, and three. That's awesome. And then Jack Morris, I think I had was like I was running out of pitchers. I'm like, my gosh, nobody's here. So. Four, let me guess, yeah, fourth round. I, I, that's yep. what I'm talking about. Yep, very good. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right, so uh, we're running out of time. Let's take a quick time out here on Fantasy Sports today, but we got plenty more to come in the second hour of the show, which would include taking a look at the latest, of course, in the NFL, and also diving into some Netflix stuff. You don't want to miss this. More Fantasy Sports today coming up. Craig Miss Joe Ranieri. Don't go away. best players we don't just give you premier advice we play every day all major sports all year round we never stop industry leading dfs tools and custom projections and now the dailyrodo.com optimizer in minutes build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys learn from the game's best dfs players join dailyrodo.com <laughs> 